Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ordering a thin and crisp and even pizza for Jesus Christ as we are approaching the end of 1996. Uh, for the final time in 2023, we will recant, reflect, and detract from this particular year in wrestling. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio. Uh, I am Tom Campbell, joined by the Mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Clive Fuck of Cultaholic, Jackie Orlando. Jackie, congratulations on a hard-fought 2023. It has been a pleasure, sir. Yes. Um, without giving the game away, I've I've found out who is uh, potentially going to All-In next year. And let me say, I've got a good eight months to think of some shite to throw at them. So, uh, Oh, good on no. you! <laughs> But, That's uh, exciting. I, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm well, thank you, Tom. How are you? Oh, mate, I'm good. It's, it's, it wouldn't be Christmas without, you know, all the joys of the holiday season, including my washing machine breaking. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it's in time for Christmas. Uh, all being well, the parts arriving today, and I can be blessed this Christmas with clean clothes. It's what Jesus Christ would have wanted. Uh, well, I mean... Uh, you can always turn your undies inside out until then, Tom. Oh, mate, I've done that too many times. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're, on to, we're on to the back to fronts now. Uh, but that's the, uh, it's otherwise just a steady way to Christmas. It just seems like, I don't know how, every year we try so hard to make sure that work for both Alex and I doesn't ramp up before Christmas and we can kind of ease our way into the holiday season. It never goes that way. Hmm. You know? I wonder why Tom Campbell, the man who cannot say no to work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. <laughs> I haven't got a Scooby-Doo why that is the case. What are your Christmas preparations like? How are they going? Uh, yeah. 
I'm not feeling it this year. And that's a shame Aww. because it's like the only time of the year that I'm, you know, uh, gruntled. Um, we've got the tree up. The tree's nice. We've got the decorations up. Decorations are nice. We've got plans in place. Friends are coming over. It's my first Christmas home for four years. I just can't be asked. <laughs> you just want to hide and, and, and eat a chocolate orange. It, but in, in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> we all get to do that Christmas day. I will. I will. You'll get, we'll get there. Look, if you're not yeah. feeling the Christmas spirit, this is going out, obviously, you know, with a, a week. To, it's a week today, Christmas Day, Clive Fox. Oh, and uh, I wonder if me and you will be hanging together on Christmas Day with some oh, of our closest we, friends. We certainly will. <laughs> it is this time. So this is the last classic Raw review of 2023. This time next week, it's only the bloody Cultaholic Classic Review Christmas Special finally landing in your lug holes just in time for Christmas. So if it's going shit, don't worry, we'll make it worse. Uh, <laughs> with a very special dramatised performance piece starring your favourites and your least favourites of the classic Raw, Smackdown and Nitro reviews. If you are a Patreon, you get the full table read, complete with all the, the inanity in between. Uh, the, for free, you get a highly produced piece of audio production uh, that uh, that really gives the festive spirit a good, good kick in the balls. <laughs> I was working on it before I came down today. I'm very proud of how stupid it all sounds. I can't wait to hear it because, uh, yeah, I've been made privy to the the patron table read version, rewatched it the other day, and I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I can't wait for the full audio version because... It is my favourite bit of work every year. <laughs> it's 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 the one thing that I, I, I should start showing my parents to say, you know the way that you're just out getting your heads around what I do for work? Let me show you this to completely throw a spanner in it. I make a point to show it to Alex every year and she just goes, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> we don't necessarily... <laughs> but there is a there is a cluster of people who have supported us all year that do and have a lovely time with it so that's for them mainly it's it's like a kind of i was going to say a participation award but it's more like a you know a purple heart for endurance and bravery for the <laughs> listeners for the year it is it is a purple heart for endurance and bravery <laughs> If you've paid attention all year long, God love you, this for you. Anyway, that's next week. This week, it is Monday Night Raw uh, from December the 1st, December the 2nd of 1996. Uh, mm. What's going to happen is Jackie Orlando, a.k.a. Jack Atkins, a.k.a. Clive Furr, uh, is going to talk us through uh, what happened in the Wrestling Observer this week, some wrestling news from the week in the year of our Lord 1996. I'm going to give you some boring <laughs> real-world headlines. Uh, from the boring real world that is in wrestling. Number one movie in the US this week is 101 Dalmatians. This the live action with Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels and Glenn Close mm. as all the Dalmatians. So uh, this this uh, was Disney going, actually, you know, all that stuff we made ages ago, we could just make it again. And, mm. and, and thus a, a, a whole new concept that worked would be born for Disney. And they continue to this very day. Like, I, I had a, my, mate, um, my mates Tim and Simon have this wonderful theory that the reason that Disney have been making all these, doing all these live action remakes is because they want to do like a Marvel multiverse type thing where they bring all the characters together. 
God, imagine that though, where it's just like, what happens when you put Aladdin and uh, John Smith and Pocahontas against Scar, an actual lion? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant. I'd be so up for it. Uh, in, in the confines of if it was a snuff movie, maybe, but not as a PG. <laughs> what happens when we put these 101 Dalmatians up against Scar, an actual lion? <laughs> oh no, the rescuers, watch out. <laughs> Scar, an actual lion. <laughs> and then they, they, then they kill Scar and they're just like, oh, we've got rid of all these wicked beasts. Oh no, here comes Count Frollo and he's waging genocidal religious war. <laughs> Ah, oh, Disney. The closest they've come to doing that, that kind of crisis on infinite arseholes but animated, was obviously Who Framed Roger Rabbit, hmm. uh, which touched on it, and the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that came out the, the, during during the pandemic. Yeah, I saw the trailer for it, but never watched it. Um, it's brilliant. Because, because Sean wouldn't watch it with us because she's got no point of reference because she didn't watch Chippendale as a kid. And I don't think I was quite in the mood to sit down on my own and watch Chip and Dale for two hours. Um, Are you sure, though? Good things. I'm going to pause for just a second, if that's all good. Um, no. Because uh, I think there's meetings happening in here that I didn't take into account. Oh, no, you're all good. Okay, ignore me. Ignore me. We're fine. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Adam coming in with a folder, so I thought I was being moved along. But it's all good. Right, hang on. I'll do a little clap so I can edit it. I do recommend you watch it uh, because even on your own, it is just full of references and cameos uh, to the point where you you can freeze frame the movie multiple times and see different cameos in the background. Like it is riddled with them. It's I fantastic. It and it's a really good film as well. Like it takes the piss out of itself quite a lot. And it's it's uh, it's of an age. And there's there's references for all ages in there. I believe there's um yeah. like I'll, I'll tell you how deep it goes. At one point you can pause it. And there is a, there's a billboard for a Doug Funny law firm. And it's oh, Doug. <laughs> I like the fact that Doug passed the bar. <laughs> I know, right? It's, and, and it's, and there's, but there's millions in there. It's very, very good. Anyway, 101 Dalmatians is out this week. Animal rights organizations protested the film's release, saying that the Dalmatian sales shot up after the premiere, fueled by impulsive purchases of puppies for parent by parents for their kids and of course dalmatians aren't the easiest dog to look after they take a lot of work and it meant that a lot of dalmatians were returned rehomed in some cases abandoned as a result of stupid fucking parents who don't do their fucking research into animals yeah adopt, nothing don't, makes, shop. adopt don't shop nothing makes me angrier than, than than those impulse purchases from parents for an animal and they how they have no idea how to look after them and they abandon them on it. Oh, nothing makes me angrier. Um, but anyway, Dalmatians this week. Yeah. <laughs> Number one movie in the UK is The Long Kiss Goodnight. Ooh, uh, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. That's the one. It's the story of an amnesiac school teacher who sets out to recover her identity with a private detective and they discover a dark conspiracy along the way. Have you seen The Long Kiss Goodnight? Um, I want to say I have, but I can't remember it. And the only thing buzzing around my head was, is the last time Gina Davis was like in a hit film? Pretty much. Yeah, this would be. Yeah. And she says outside of Thelma and Louise, this was her favorite film as well. 
Yeah. Um, there is uh, a version. This might shock people who've seen it. There is a version of the film in which Mitch Hennessy, played by Samuel L. Jackson, dies before the end. Mm. They did a test screening, and an audience member shouted, "You can't kill Sam Jackson!" Uh, to which the cut was changed so the detective survives. Spoiler. Uh, the last page of the original script in 1994 states that there was a sequel on the horizon called The Kiss After Lightning. However, it never materialized. I like the fact that they shouted, you can't kill Sam Jackson, and they have clearly never seen most Sam Jackson films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a one for dying, is Sam Jackson. <laughs> uh, number one song in the US is still Black Street. No diggity. It's hanging mm-hmm. on in there for a good long while. New number one in the UK this week, Peter Andre, I Feel You. No, I didn't no, remember no, it either. No. <laughs> no, no, don't worry, I didn't remember it either. Uh, this was um, from his second album, Natural. Uh, spent just a week at the top, his second number one in succession after Mysterious Girl. Let's see if he can continue that success. I, uh, I, I will say this, though, Insania, banger. Oh, Insania's a banger. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely nailed it with Insania. Uh, get this, November 30th, during a live broadcast of the National Lottery on BBC One, uh, the drawing lottery ball machine doesn't start, causing the draw to be delayed by 50 minutes, something that resident psychic Mystic Meg predicted. I'm saying that she predicted it, and then when no one was looking, she went round the back of Guinevere or Lancelot or whatever it was. Philip said screwdriver, stab the fucker. (laughs) I think that's what happened as well. Uh, Also, one more little bit. Um, This weekend in the video game world, FIFA 97 is released worldwide. Very nice. Uh, The main main new feature of the FIFA game features, um, uh, other than motion capture, was the indoor football mode. That was amazing, the indoor football mode. Yeah, I had very, very fond memories of that. She had no throw-ins. No throw-ins, couldn't go out. You just swatted it with a little yellow ball and just pinged around the place. Brilliant. Uh, revolutionary motion capture graphics as well made this game the most realistic football football game that had ever been released on the second on the new generation consoles with commentary provided by John Motson and Andy Gray uh, presented by Des Lynham. <laughs> I hope the... I can't remember Des Lynham in it. I hope they did actually CGI rather than have like an FMV, because that'd be amazing. Little Sad, digital. Sadly, it's just his voice. I remember this. So it's just Bastard. his voice as the match starts. It says, well, what a great game it's going to be between Blackburn and Ajax. And let's go to John Motson and Andy Gray. Like, that's his whole role in it. Thanks, Des. It's wonderful here in Holland. Um, Thank you, Des. We're happy to be in Holland for this game for Blackburn. Thank you, Andy. Did I tell you about how I must have told you this before about how years ago I edited Des Lynham's Wikipedia page and it stayed like it for months until anyone got onto it? Remind us of the story. It was just a personal life. It just said, you know, he was with his wife for X amount of years. They got divorced and then, you know, he'd been with his current partner for 20 years. I just added a line just saying, both women claim Des to be an extremely sensitive lover. <laughs> and it, it stayed there for about six months. <laughs> I mean,. If I were Des Lynham and I saw that, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. Why would you dispute it? <laughs> no, it's it's. It, if anything, he probably saw it and just went, Do you know what, leave it up for a while. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get the word out. 
you realise that might come back in the event that have we still got Des Lynham? We've still got Des Lynham. Yeah, in the event, in the in the unlikely event that he should leave us, then there might I can imagine that being cited. <laughs> As we know, Des Lynham, of course, was an extremely sensitive lover. That's Des Lynham, eighteen thirty eight to two thousand and whatever. Always gentle with the pop of the finger up. Des Lynham passed away today. <laughs> And also, we knew a bit about football. <laughs> anyway, that's the real world. <laughs> Let's go to another sensitive lover in Dave Meltzer and what we can see from the Wrestling Observer in this week in the year of our Lord 1996. Let me thumb through this edition of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. <laughs> dated November 9th, 1996. a big thumb. Big thumb. I, I need to be like uh, the Mighty Boosh Hitcher. There we go. Big thumb. There's one for all the <laughs> oh, for all my 2005 posse. Um, so, a couple of tidbits, chunky bits. Uh, there, there is some Davies in here, but you know what? It makes it funnier, if not more chaotic. Which is which is the motto of this podcast: funny and chaos. Hopefully, chaos, anyway, chaos. Um, WWF. Ahmed Johnson will be programmed with Goldust to give him wins on his return. Goldust is pretty much being phased down. And Tom I'm has sorry. It's, it was the first line. Ahmed Johnson will be programmed. <laughs> like, like they put a chip in the back of his head. Uh, ooh, activated. Imagine that. Oh, that... That sounds like it'd be like a Lucha Underground storyline <laughs> that Ahmed Johnson's come back and he's been replaced with robot parts. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. So he's been programmed with... Goldust. Goldust. To give him some wins because Goldust's been phased down already. Um, and as we know, you know, with hindsight, you know, ooh, all that. Um, as formerly known as Goldust's on the... I want to say is that late 97 going into early 98 and the kind of reinventions of gold dust. It's around about that time, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Late 97, we get the artist formerly known as gold dust. Yeah. So we've, it's like, he's going to become a jobber to the stars anyway, Tom, which is a shame because I really like gold dust. He kind of already but, is anyway. Well, we'd noticed the last few months. I mean, I think his last major program was him. What tying his wagon to the Undertaker Mankind feud? And then yeah, noticed... that's it. And then he's then he's had like a sort of face ish turn, and um, but nothing of any major substance since then. No, he just kind of turns up every once in a while, which is a shame because at this point in '96, there's so much more they can still do with the character. But looks like he's going to go wibbling down that card. <laughs> Talking of wibbling. Um, Akim Albrecht debuted on a recent house show tour in December 96. The first two na- nights he used the name Argo. Then the third night in Utica, New York, he was called Baracus. Oh! So his foe all three nights was trainer Tom Pritchard as Dr. X, who it was said carried the match. Reports were that he was huge. The match was limited to him doing a few power moves that Dr. Tom saw well for. He had no crowd interaction, but appeared to have some athletic ability. So we'll we'll keep a close eye on Baracus, as he's called right now. They've done more with less, to be fair. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, I was a fan, but 
lest we forget that Ezekiel Jackson was Intercontinental Champion and the last ECW Champion. Mm-hmm. Talking of uh, Ezekiel Jackson, there's a good chance that Mil Mascaras will be in the Royal Rumble. Um, and here's, here's a bit of Dave going on about it, saying why he doesn't think this is the best idea. He's put, I guess some people don't realise that the card will be held in 1997 rather than 1972. Mascaras and Jose Lothario were big draws as a tag team against people like Black, Gordman and Goliath in San Antonio some 25 years ago. And there was a time in the 70s where he was one of five or six biggest drawing cards anywhere in the world. However, with the generation that runs wrestling today... He is the one Mexican name that everyone is familiar with and most grew up seeing as a major attraction. But if they want to draw Mexicans today, if it's even possible to do the mix, and the more it's tried, the more it doesn't work. Sorry, a bit Dave there. Uh, it, it's, he's basically saying, Mil Mascaras won't really draw in the 90s. He says... I should have edited this more. When I was editing it, I was like, I chopped it down. I was like, right, this kind of makes sense. And I'm reading it out loud. It's like, oh God, this is jumbled mess. But you speak Meltzer, so it's fine. Exactly, yeah. But you know, you know, sometimes if you're studying a second language, but you you can't think in that language, you're thinking in English. It's kind of like that. So the Jack Atkins is still in there fighting as the Meltzer's trying to take over. It's not working. <laughs> He's basically saying... It'd be better if they could have Conan, Juventud Guerrero, Rey Mysterio Jr. He says, uh, if they could, if it was possible, he said Octagon and Paraguayo would be good. But, you know, Mascaras meant nothing in San Antonio by the early 80s, let alone the late 90s. So he's not hopeful for a big reaction for the stars of AAA. Uh, no, it's not AAA, is it? CMLL, whoever the luchadors are coming into this, and I, I think he's actually right to be fair because he's because he's because I don't think you're going to get those reactions really, are you? Yeah, luckily, the next few uh articles I have edited, so this should go a lot more smoothly. <laughs> so we go to WCW. Here's one we'll have to see if there's any more to this or if this is just one of Dave's punts that don't play off. Going to Dave Meltzer at this time, December 1996, Harlem Heat are said to be negotiating with the WWF. Oh. And I wonder if there was a world where Harlem Heat did come into the WWF, would they have been their own thing or do you think they would have been absorbed into the Nation of Domination? Oh, that's... I I get the vibe they probably would have been part of the Nation or Mm. they'd have made two Flash Funks. Oh God, the Flash Funk Brothers, <laughs> Terry, Terry and Terry and Dory. But just, just, just imagine it. You got Flash Funk dancing. You got Booker T doing the spinner Rooney, and you got Stevie Raver's arms folded. So not doing it. I hate this. This is shit. <laughs> Are you we, ready? For we some... would not. Have, we would not have seen them in the in the way that we know and love them. No, we would have seen them probably in a far worse manner. Mm. But talking talking of Harlem Heat, do you want to hear some lies from Mean Gene Oakland? Always. So the WCW hotline in this week had talked about Kimona Wanalea coming in from ECW. They'd also talked about Raven coming in, but that was a 100% work. Gene o- Oakland was looking for a name to use because the scam about a wrestler jumping promotions usually does well and hotline business has sagged a great deal of late, down 40% according to one source. So he made up the story and someone else came up with the idea that Raven would be a good name to use. So <laughs> how WCW didn't get sued more is beyond me. 
They because... deserve to be sued more for the the the, the status of those from the melts up from the um from the Mean Gene hotline rather than the Melts newsletter. But me so Mean Gene just completely picked a name out of the, out of out of random and just and ran with that. Yeah, he just went, oh, Raven's coming to WCW. But little would he know that, you know, it would eventually bear fruit. He'd be like, yeah, I told you a year and a half ago that he was coming. Yeah, right. A uh, clock's right twice a day, as they yeah. say. You didn't believe me, did you, you tossers? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, if you listen to, the, listen to the classic Nitro review, we know that Mean Gene is the only tosser around here. Oh, talking about men who, you know, enjoy their own meat. Uh, according to... <laughs> According to reports that Dave had received, the Marcus Bagwell movie Day of the Warrior makes Hulk Hogan movies look like masterpiece theatre. <laughs> Bagwell plays a character known as the Supreme Warrior. Brackets, I guess that tells you who they wanted for the movie. Close brackets. And he's in a loincloth and face paint building to a 30-second final fight scene against a penthouse playmate who he headbutts in the breast and gets knocked out by and pinned. So... <laughs> There you go. Uh, Never I've, heard of this film, but I am very intrigued. I only know of it from I think it's a Matt McMuscles one. Uh, looking at uh, video, looking at like the kind of bikini babe exploitation craze of the nineties of having you know um, voluptuous woman women in tiny bikinis with Uzis. Those kind of films that you know, not quite grot, but enough grot there to sell to weird little men such as you and I, Tom Campbell. Um, <laughs> Do you want Eric Bischoff potentially getting into trouble? Of course. <laughs> right. So this was from the November 24th Charleston Post-Courier regarding Eric Bischoff being told that Vince McMahon didn't remember him from a 1990 job interview where McMahon interviewed Bischoff for an announcing position. And this is a quote from Eric Bischoff. In June of 1990, I was down there for an interview and an audition and talked to Vince for probably half an hour. If he doesn't remember it, perhaps he was engaged as some of his admitted chemical activity during that time. But I was there, he was there. He'd later say, The nonsense and perception of reality that Vince McMahon, a guy who has admitted using steroids to try beef up what was otherwise a scrawny, frail little individual, I think when he wakes up in the morning, he looks in the mirror and still sees that 80-pound bird-faced punk that nobody wanted to play with, and he has to deal with that every day. And the way he's trying to deal with is trying to create this perception. I just hope people are smart enough to see through this nonsense and deal with reality. I mean, he didn't say anything... I don't think libelous there because he's saying, you know, things that McMahon had had to um, admit during the steroid trial. But Jesus Christ, he's flying a bit close to the sun. Very close to the sun is Icarus. Uh, I enjoyed the scrawny comments. For anybody that has seen that early, I think, 60s uh, promo shot of Vince McMahon in his ring attire, like, you get it. I can imagine that would have given Vince enough of a complex to just get very muscly over the next 40 years. <laughs> Eating those delicious meat wraps every day. <laughs> right, so we've got one other little bit of WCW news, and then we've got some ECW bits. I've included this because we are in the height of the Monday Night Wars now, and I love the petty bollocks between the two. So, Raw now starts to counter Nitro, because Nitro is now a two-hour affair. To counter this, Raw now starts at 7.57pm, so it's got a three-minute run-in against Nitro. Nitro saw this and have changed their start time to 7.55 p.m. So they've got a two-minute <laughs> running against Raw. It's brilliant. It's just such piss and shit-housery. It's fantastic. 
And, and, and I, I wish that I, I kind of wish that had carried on to the point where they're all started like an hour earlier than they were before. Just Tune in for Monday back, Nitro. It, it starts on Tuesday and it gets to the point where they go back so much they actually air two episodes in one night. Deliciously petty. Talking of delicious and petty, we've got some more from the mass transit incident at ECW, which we covered mm. last week. So uh, people live were saying it was more blood than they'd ever seen in a pro wrestling match. Uh, it was the slowest week for news in a long time in the US. It became a prime topic of conversation. Uh, we went over it last week. If you don't know the mass transit incident, it was uh, an untrained, like underage kid ended up in a match with the gangsters. Uh, New Jack said, get colour, I'll cut you open, don't worry. He gigged him. They think the kid like slipped and it just started spurting. A new Jack being new Jack took a, a microphone and said, oh, I don't, I don't care if he dies. <laughs> so new Jack in character after the incident, like I said, said he didn't care if the motherfucker bled to death, which is true to character portrayal, but people took it the wrong way. Or did they? This past weekend backstage, with no fans around, when a tape of the same incident played, reports are that New Jack was laughing his ass off about it. <laughs> this led to people saying backstage in ECW that New Jack w- should be fired, which it seems is something always on the verge of happening at any given time anyway. There have been accusations that New Jack did the like deep blading on purpose, although that is hard to believe, according to Dave. Those who have seen the video are split in the opinion as to whether the video showed the kid move, like the kid like slipped as New Jack was cutting him, which led to a ridiculous six inch long cut, or whether you couldn't truly tell by the video whether, you know, New Jack had gone to business for himself. Um, Dave goes on saying, you know, the reaction about New Jack on the mic in the arena, people was like, oh, he's staying in character. He's not going to break it and say, I know that I'm New Jack and I'm mental, but I hope that young boy who I battered before is okay. He'd never say that, would he? No. Um, the Heyman, Paul Heyman's come out and said that the kid, Eric Kulas, who portrayed Mass Transit, told him he was 19 and was trained by Killer Kowalski, neither of which was true. Brackets, these are words the kid was trained by some local midgets and came to the building with the midgets hoping to do a gimmick match where the fat kid wrestles two midgets but then the midgets disappeared and he was asked if he wouldn't mind working against the gangsters that was four times dave used the word midget in one sentence (laughs) kulas's father said everyone knew his son was 17 the combination of the amount of blood the fact that the local authorities nearly arrested the father later that night in the hospital for child abuse not believing the story that he was cut so deeply in a wrestling match the age and lack of training of the kid the reaction of New Jack of the building, New Jack's old tra- own track record, all turned this into like a bigger issue than it should have been. Uh, the family has no plans to take any legal action in the incident and truth- truthfully, in their own way, seem to be enjoying their 15 minutes of fame, according to Dave Meltzer. So I I, ooh, I think this is going to rumble on and maybe have some implications for ECW going forward. I think it's going to cause a massive issue to their pay-per-view plans, no doubt. <laughs> So one last bit of ECW news, and then we can get into this rip-roaring edition of Royal Tom. <laughs> so this time, again, December 1996, they're coming out with Blue World Order t-shirts, probably as soon as the coming weekend. Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, and Supernova continue to do the BWO gimmick taking over during one spot on every show. They're also coming out with ECFNW foam hands in which the middle finger is the one that shows, which is sure to be an item confiscated at WWF and WCW Televent 
television events in a town near you. I like uh, the fact they're hidden enough, though. They're, they look so much like the Steve Ike, like the foam, general foam fingers that you could probably slip them into the crowd at WWF I'd shows. Definitely just be like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but I just thought it was uh, interesting that at this time, like, oh, they're, they're going to see if they can run with this BWO gimmick. And again, I still think you can get BWO t shirts in 2023 slash. 2024 who knows going into next week in the future <laughs> i love the bwo stuff that was always a great joy i'm a, and and how delighted i was in 2005 where they turned up admittedly it took jbl giving the blue media real life pasting but to get them on tv in 2005 yeah. was fantastic i mean i i don't advocate you know chair shots to the head anymore but i do get some I don't know, perverted joy over watching that clip of Stevie Richards absolutely swinging for the fences at JBL's head. <laughs> it is joyous. Is that your wrestling news for the week? Uh, it's not my wrestling news. It's Dave Meltzer's. <laughs> is it your Dave Meltzer wrestling news for the week? It is, yes. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A four we get into Raw. I had a little look at superstars. Tom looks at superstars this week. But on a very fast speed, because I'm not made of time. Uh, <laughs> Sunday, November 1st, quick superstars recap for you. Owen Hart, British Bulldog and Crush beat Savio Vega, Mark Mera and Jake Roberts, whilst Diesel and Razor perv on from ringside. What, that a, sounds like the most thrown together match I've ever heard. It was pretty dull. Yeah. Why I watched it on three speed. <laughs> it helped. Uh, we get a little tease of what we're going to see more of on Raw, so I won't talk about it too much here, uh, of uh, an incident from London, England. 
Uh, Bret Hart from his hotel room in London talks about his brother-in-law, the British Bulldog, how he may have saved his career on Raw last week and promised that he would help him out when the time comes. Uh, Owen Hart does a little piece to camera here as well, uh, stepping out of a London black cab uh, to say Bulldog's actions were out of passion and they won't happen again. More on the London trip later. Uh, the executioner is in action. He beats Bert Centeno with that stupid fucking thumb to the throat once That's again. Rubbish move. Crap finisher. Kevin Kelly interviews Rocky Maivia, and at no point does Rocky Maivia call Kevin Kelly a hermaphrodite. Uh, instead, Jim Cornette interrupts them to offer his managerial services to The Rock, to which Rocky says, if you lie down with a dog, you'll wake up with fleas. I'm going to make it on my own or not at all. And Kevin again, Jim Cornette is very upset that The Rock doesn't take him up on his thing. Why am I calling him The Rock? It's weird that name's not The Rock. Hmm. Uh, Leaf Cassidy... <laughs> beats Scott Taylor with a moonsault and a German suplex. Uh, he screams throughout the match about being disrespected and not taken seriously. Oh, I wonder. It sounds like he's having some uh, a crisis of confidence there, Tom. Mm, sounds like it, sir. We get a mm. recap of Jose and Sean's chat from Jose's lovely house on Raw. Uh, and then we get a main event, Hunter Hurst Helmsley versus Goldust for the Intercontinental title that Hunter wins by countout after he punches Goldust with a cigar from Marlena's mouth. He takes the cigar out of Marlena's mouth and uses it as a, as a little weapon in his fist to punch Goldust. And he can't Ooh. beat the 10 count. So that's how, that's, uh, that's superstars for this week. I, I like that as an ending, though. That's, that sounds quite gruesome. It's a bit different, isn't it? It's a bit yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, to Monday Night Raw we go. Pyro to open the show and Flash Funk out first of all this is the first time jack atkins was seeing flash funk on monday night raw Ooh, and yes and vince was in such a good mood he was dancing he said the words and i quote shake that thang <laughs> uh, and it was disgusting he's he's an alien he's just an alien <laughs> uh, i can give you some intel as to why vince was so excited to see flash funk if you like please do so I've done a little fact finder on Flash Funk. This is the first time we've seen him in singles action on Raw. Thought I'd give you a little bit of a, a little bit of a story behind the character. So this is, of course, Two Cold Scorpio, aka Charles Skaggs, with his WWF revamp. Mm. He was convinced to join the WWF by his mate Vader who alongside Paul Heyman helped broker a meeting with Vince McMahon, who really likes Two Cold Scorpio as a performer, but obviously needs that WWF zhuzh up. Now, here's the thing. Paul Heyman, whilst there is a, a talent exchange initiative with the WWF, i.e. people like Brackus going back and forth, Paul Heyman was reticent to lose Two Cold Scorpio to the WWF. Why do you think that is, Jackie Atkins? Uh, probably title plans. It's a good answer, but it's not the right answer. Hmm. It comes back to money, as all these things do. So, through Scorpio, Paul Heyman had a deal with Tommy Boy Music. And Paul Heyman got $1,000 every time they played Scorpio's entrance theme. Yeah. So, to lose him to the WWF, he was going to be losing out on, you know, four or five grand a month. So he, he aired his concerns to Vince McMahon. And to that end, Vince said, look, we really want him for the WWF. 
but to make the to, to make this this deal a little sweeter here's a thousand pounds a week <laughs> wow now uh, i was trying to think whether this is the point that obviously all these stories come out about paul Heyman being on the wwf payroll is this maybe mm. what it's connected to Potentially, the, the the bit that's really caught me off guard is the fact that uh, ECW legally used music at a time. Because as, <laughs> as we know, uh, they're not often want to do that. No, why why let why let legality get in the way of playing the Sandman's theme music for four and a half minutes straight? Exactly. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, there there is often. Like you said, the the well known aspect of Paul Heyman being on the WWF payroll. We've said that he's been helping Vince McMahon scout for Shotgun Saturday Night. So, looks like they're greasing each other's palms. Mm, some greasy palms all round. So, Flash Funk is, of course, Vince McMahon's idea from farm to plate. Vince loves Rick James, so he wanted to create a wrestling persona based on Rick James. <laughs> <laughs> that's simply it <laughs> but all, all of rick james's songs are about how much he loves prostitutes and marijuana i can't imagine vince mcfann listening to that <laughs> i love it wow rick james he should be a wrestler <laughs> So the look, the entrance, even the name was all Vince McMahon's idea. So no wonder he was keen to shake his thang when Flash Funk made his raw debut. Now, he is accompanied to the ring by Nadine Ellis and Tracy Swain. Originally called the Fly Girls, they were rebranded the Funkettes when it came time to debut. Scorpio had known Nadine and Tracy since his WCW days. They appeared in a vignette with Scorpio in the 90s, encouraging a bunch of kids not to skip school. <laughs> Here comes to call Scorpio. That video features our first appearance of Scorpio in the Funkettes. Fantastic. You're welcome. I, I, and, and they are included in the every manager ranked list that I painstakingly sweat over in 2022. So, uh, yes, we are, we are aware of the Funkettes, Tom. We are. So therefore, will you, uh, did you mention, and apologies, I don't remember this part of the video, but did you mention why they disappeared from Scorpio's side? No. Uh, Mrs. Too Cold Scorpio uh, accused Too Cold Scorpio of having naughty adult relations with the Funkheads while on tour. So, you know, to, uh, to appease Mrs. Too Cold Scorpio, they went away. Uh, this is Too Cold Scorpio who... Uh has a reputation in the business for being a bit of a shagger, unless I'm very much mistaken as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a reputation for having a massive penis. <laughs> Good on him. He is in He is in the Faye Jackson Grey Sweatpants Hall of Fame, mm. uh, <laughs> as, which was a, a special moment uh, committed to, uh, dedicated to Tuco Scorpio at the beginning of the Grey Sweatpants Battle Royal, which <laughs> is uh, the absolute best use of the male gaze for females I've ever, ever heard. <laughs> Vince McMahon warned Flash Funk, a.k.a. Too Cold Scorpio, a.k.a. Our Boy Charlie, that it's going to take a few years for the crowd to warm to Flash Funk. This really annoyed Charles Skaggs. He's like, no, I'm going to get it over in just a few weeks, maybe a few months. You wait and see. And let's see how that goes together, shall we? On our backs since birth. 
But he's here, and the kids, they're, they're staying in school. They and... are staying in school. <laughs> they, need, they need to bring back those PSAs in modern, modern WWE. Just have it like Seth Rollins being like, when I'm not being a, a Burke with a shit character, I make sure I eat my five a day. <laughs> I'd say what I wouldn't burn down, my prospects getting older. So go to school. Nobody likes someone who abuses animals. <laughs> hey, we're the Judgment Day, and we're here to take over WWE and, and lay waste to everything. But I tell you what, we won't do not eat our vegetables. Our vegetables, you pricks. There's someone who needs a vegetable. <laughs> We have a Louie appearance on the on the video feed. Are you Louie? He, he he heard all this talk at Judgment Day and vegetables, and he was like, "I want to come have a look and see oh, what's going on." What are you doing, Dad? This looks boring. He's just been milling around, going, "Hmm." Ah, oh, mm. if you put him to the microphone, can we hear him purr for Christmas? Um, potentially. Come on, come on. Papa needs money. <laughs> Dance for Daddy. <laughs> No, he'll just he'll just probably twat about for a bit. There he goes. There he goes. Ah, oh, I love him. But yeah, so uh, oh. yeah, we, we as we were saying, we need more PSAs in wrestling in 2023 slash 2024. We bloody well do. And there goes Louis. <laughs> we need more Louis in 2024 as well. That'd be a nice thing. Flash Funk's opponent tonight is uh, is who? Vagoon! Vagoon! And I'm sad that we've got Howard Finkel on, on the ring announcing for Raw, but the goon was already in the ring before the match started. I know, I know. He um, um, he, he didn't... He, he looked a bit different the last time we saw him. It looks like he's got his, his hair sorted a bit. It's less kind of mullety and a bit more 90s grungy. And his boots don't look quite as tapered anymore. Looks a bit broken, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like the gimmick hasn't taken off. However, he gets a fuckload in on Flash Funk in this match. This is a very 50-50 match between the Funk and the Goon. Uh, Goon jumping Funk from the off, beats him down with elbow drops and a headlock, and Funk takes a pasting mm. for ages, despite a sunset flip from Funk getting a two and some woos from the crowd. <laughs> this guy is special. Uh, we'll hear from Shawn Michaels soon with an apology for some reason, according to Vince McMahon. Hmm. What's he apologising for? We'll find out. But his backstage uh, conduct. Yeah, he's apologising for being a big <laughs> prick backstage. <laughs> Flash Funk hits a beaut of a moonsault to the outside. Charlotte Flair would never. Uh, is on the offence when we come back from the break. Funk misses a moonsault in the ring, but recovers with a backdrop, King's Road style, and a moonsault leg drop, the likes of which I can't recall seeing. So Flash yeah. Funk moonsaults, and on, but then does a little bit more of a turn, so it finishes in a leg drop. Yeah, very nice. Have you seen one before? Probably, oh, not prior to this. And then since maybe Jack Evans or someone, one of those like mid-2000s indie high flyers may have pulled it off. But it's not something you see often anyway. 
Uh, that gets the three count for Flash Funk. Uh, he wins his, his debut match on Raw. Jackie Orlando, I don't know about you, this should have been certainly more favourable towards Flash. Yeah, because um, like you said, Goon definitely got his licks in before it turned into a Flash Funk exhibition towards the end. But I didn't mind though. I didn't mind it because it, it, it did give Flash Funk time to really show what he does. Uh, he said the moonsault leg drops and stuff like that. I yeah, all right, all right, yeah. <laughs> a recap from Sunday, from a recap from the weekend, not the weekend, sorry, Wednesday in London, England, coming up very, very soon. Mm. Uh, more on that in a bit. Uh, we have two absolute geeks next. They're sat in their seats uh, for the Royal Rumble. It, the Alamo next month, but the show isn't until the end of January. But they are worried about losing their seats that they have booked in advance, so why should they worry? Uh, so this is Jackie Orlando, George and Adam, the WWF superfans, a new pair of characters that represent the fans. Uh, were you familiar with George and Adam before they debuted on our screens here? Only from hints that I've seen in other videos, maybe... I want to say OSW or something like that, but it was just one of those things where Vince McMahon clearly letting everyone know what he thinks of them, really, behind their backs. They are representing the, the geeky under underbelly fandom of wrestling. They're going to pop up in segments and skits for the next few weeks, uh, including interacting with superstars in a goofy manner. And I believe it's in the next few months that they present an award at the Slammies to The Undertaker, and one of them pisses themselves yeah. out of sheer fear. Yay, wrestling fans. So, yeah. <clears throat> so this is George and Adam in their debut. Uh, on On screen, at least, you see... Jackie Orlando, they already worked with the WWF at this point. They were staff members who worked in the Coliseum home video department. Oh, and this comes the week that the news has broken that WWE are no longer going to make DVDs. Yeah, it seemed timely that that was happening. I mean, I, I've seen a few people online since that announcement saying like, oh, we need to stop this. We need to stop this happening. We need to buy DVD. I ain't buying DVDs. No. I'm sad. That the, that the end is coming, but I'm buying DVDs. I mean, you you could tell, like ten years ago when they started not really being too asked about it anymore. When they were, it'd be like, oh, WrestleMania. I wonder what happens in this. And you turn the back, and like Batista's holding the title that he hasn't got <laughs> on the front, and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, lads, come on. They they just stopped, didn't they? they yeah. I think the moment the network debuted, it was borrowed time, mm. really, for that sort of thing. As soon as the network arrived around WrestleMania 30. Uh, but uh, our thanks go out to the, the hard, dedicated people at Coliseum Home Video and the people at WWF Home Video, WWE Home Video, Fremantle, and the distributors who gave us such joys as WrestleMania 1 on Laserdisc, which wow. is a thing yeah. you can still buy on Amazon. And should you be so inclined, uh, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior on PlayStation UMD. <laughs> Yes, I remember that one, and I think the Jake Roberts one for around the same time you could get on UMD. That was when it was going to be the, the next hot thing. <laughs> I believe WrestleMania 2 and 3 are on Betamax as well, if you're if you're savvy enough to look around. Yes, and the war to settle the score is on uh, Magic Lantern Show. Um, 
you can watch the wrestling classic on a Nickelodeon. <laughs> it's a talkie. Um. <laughs> so uh, this is gonna this is gonna make your head fall off. So George and Adam got their starts uh, working for Coliseum Home Video Department. Uh, believe it or not, they are key WWE employees today in 2023. Wow. Okay. Um, George German is vice president of media clearance and research at WWE. Shit. And Adam Panucci, the ginger lad is head of global production. Fair fucks to the lads. Congratulations for keeping a fed job for what? Oh, the t- and then some, they're making more money than we ever have. So we, who are we to laugh at them? Yeah, I, I'd I'd piss me kex on TV if they said, hey, you can have a job for at least 30 years and you'll get to a position where you're clearly making bank. Yeah, fine, go for it. I'd piss it for half of that, I'll be honest with you. I'd, I'd do it for free. I'd be like, oh, I'm doing <laughs> really it now. need some piss. Come on, oh yeah. <laughs> I did it before. <laughs> right, we get a little recap video of Tiny Tim. Appearing on WWF Raw in 1993, something that Justin Henry and I talked about in the before times mm. on the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. He sang tiptoed through the tulips and then got his uh, ukulele smashed by Jerry the King Lawler. They're playing this because this weekend, Tiny Tim passed away. Mm. Uh, he reportedly was feeling unwell during a charity gala, uh, collapsed uh, when he went back to his seat and never regained consciousness. Uh, he... Um, I don't have the cause of death near me, uh, but fuck Cherry Lawler, who just spends the night taking the piss out of the fact that a man's dead. Oh, he's just, yeah, horrible. Because at first I was just like, why is he ripping into Tiny Tim? I was like, oh, okay. He had an angle at one point. Uh, but Tiptoe then- Through the Tulips is a um, a legitimately creepy song. And I, I, I quite like it. <laughs> I feel like it should be used more in horror films. The years ago, uh, when like escape rooms first became a thing, me and a few of my mates were in one, and it was like I think the story behind it was you've come to, you've come to. We were told by the the game master, as they like to be called. Oh, you've come to a European convention. There's a famous scientist there, and we were going Nazi scientist, yeah. And they were like, no, not a Nazi. He's like Nazi scientist, yeah. And he's like, and he's trapped you in a room, and he's died, and poison's going to be released if you can't figure out his stuff. And he's like, ah, like a Nazi scientist. <laughs> and it was playing all this intense music all the way through. And we we're doing our uh, stuff, you know, like the was it the theme from Requiem for a Dream and stuff like that. And then halfway through, tiptoe through the tulips, just started playing. And maybe made Josh looked up, and went to each other. Ugh! <laughs> we just went, Ugh! that's oh, that's that's really effective. Um, I, I'm now no, I'm now terrified. I'm about to die. But we escaped, and we weren't killed by the obviously Nazi scientist. <laughs> and as you walked out, they went drat, and it was Badolf Bimdler. <laughs> he's not. He's from Hull. Shut up. <laughs> he's he's just got a speech impediment. <laughs> uh, we so after that recap, and after Jerry Lawler thinks it's ace that a man has died, uh, we get our next match, which is Big Daddy called Diesel in speech marks. Uh, taking on Phineas Godwin. Uh, Diesel, according to Jim Ross, just needs some good leadership, a bit like the WWF. 
Oh, harsh. Uh, Jim Ross is doing special guest commentary for Diesel and Razor Ramon's match, putting them over like Rover. Um, this is a big boy match that actually moves at quite a, quite a decent pace. I was ready for this to be a massive bag of balls. It's only a small bag of balls. Um, you're far more kind to it than I am then, Tom. <laughs> Maybe because I watched it at times two speed. Possibly, yes. yes. <laughs> It could have been much worse than it was, but it wasn't great still. Uh, this is just, just two hefty lads smacking each other. Razor Ramon appears at one point. He causes just enough distraction to allow Diesel to hit Phineas Godwin with a, a fuck you sandbag jackknife powerball. God, yeah, it was uh, it was almost a hairy moment, but luckily this this Diesel fella, he's, he's a bit of a muscly boy, so luckily he didn't drop him right on his bastard heed. Thank God he didn't. So we didn't. You didn't enjoy this one. No, I thought it was pretty shocked. Um, <laughs> you've got fake Diesel versus the the lesser popular Godwin, and the crowd didn't care. They just did not care at all. Um, and if you've got a bit of a shite match, if there's noise behind it, it can be enjoyable. But if you've got crickets chirping, oh no, no, wasn't for me, this one. Two people that will be uh, very heavily associated with The Undertaker in a couple of years' time as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. To the WWF studio we go, where Shawn Michaels wants to apologize. He's apologizing uh, because he was accused of being defensive last week against Jose Lothario. He apologizes for not being defensive enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sean says he doesn't have a problem with being humiliated, but he has a problem with Sid hurting Jose Lothario. Vince asks if Sean is going to come through at the Rumble and reclaim the WWF title. And Sean says, of course, he will. He says, if being a bad role model is being honest and bringing skeletons out of your closet, then that makes him a bad role model. He says at the, at the Rumble, there's going to be 71,000 screaming San Antonians as he becomes WWF champion. He is not ashamed of who he is. And he'll be happy to throw it in people's faces. He truly is a man's man, Jackie Orlando. Go darn tooting he is, Tom. Um <laughs> I don't think this was as effective as last week. You can tell that they're really trying to rehab the character, but um, the stuff at Jose's house, I thought, worked a lot better than this. I didn't get it. I just, like, I just didn't know why they needed to do it. Is it just keeping him on screen, I guess? I think so. I, I understood the point they were trying to get at, but it just didn't really land, I think. I think Sean's great, and I don't think you need to add or change who he is. Like I know they're kind of going for the uh, like the Rocky style comeback thing, yeah. But I don't think like him just going, "Hey, I like my mate," isn't necessarily doing it for me. No, no. Uh, <laughs> what they could have done with is another fourteen sailors kicking the fuck out of him around Christmas time. Then I think you'd have had a, a compelling story again. And and like you said, he was going, "I like my mate," and then when you realise that his mate is literally a granddad, you're like, "Ah, oh, it's." Doesn't make him look cool with that entourage, does it? <laughs> Hanging out with this little old man looks a bit like Hans Molman. It's not the best of that. Bless him. Jesse James in action next. He spends his day working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow, and he can't wait to be alone with his baby tonight. Um, bless him. He's facing <laughs> Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who, for him, he spends his days branding people on the go, and his mate Uncle Zeb is spinning too slow. 
sponsored by Sega Saturn and Beavers and Butthead Do America. Yes, here we go. America. Did you go and see that in the cinema? No, it's the only thing I've ever been barred from watching by my parents was Beavers and Butthead. Because they hated it. They didn't mind anything else. I was watching Bottom at this age. I was watching the young ones and stuff, but they just hated Beavers and Butthead. Ooh, what do you think their malfunction was with Beavers and Butthead? They just found it really irritating. <laughs> Fair enough. But I still love Beavers and Butthead to this day. Fucking yeah, big fan. It's very, very good. Uh, next week on Raw, we're getting Undertaker versus Mankind. No holds barred. That Ooh. could be fun. Ooh. Fun little we, spicy Raw main event. We barely knew ye Mick Foley, Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's going to die, isn't he? Uh, Bradshaw dominates Jesse. Uncle Zeb using his big stick at one point to keep Jesse down. <laughs> Jesse down. Uh, we get a flurry by James, which seems a bit embryonic for what will become sort of the Road Dogs comeback specials, just in the way that he moves his shoulders, yeah. some of the punches that he lands. It's not quite the dig diggity dig diggity dog, but it's nearly there. Yeah, it's like you said, it's the embryonic stage of Jesse James. Uh, he gets his leg pulled by Uncle Zebekiah, and this leads him wide open for fucking hell. Get Fox clothesline from hell from Bradshaw. <laughs> and yeah. then at the end of the match, they get the old branding iron and they brand him with a bit of paint. I like the branding thing. I like the branding thing, but I did not like this match, Tom. No, it wasn't no. very good, was it? <laughs> no, uh, and at one point I went, on all three of these men are hall of famers isn't that mad um obviously <laughs> they've had great careers and nothing against them but in 1996 jesse james who was never the best in the ring he's more of a charisma guy but here where he hasn't really established his character no one cares versus a pretty bland justin hawk bradshaw who feels like a man out of time and the fact that he jesse james dominated this match and then still lost. It makes all involved look like twats because because Jesse James can't buy a win because, you know, Zebekiah is tripping him up. Bradshaw needs Zebekiah to help him before absolutely pasting this. I just, uh, this didn't work for me at all. No, nah, it was nah. not, not, not the best work for these two. Uh, don't worry. They're going to bring it right back uh with the milton bradley holiday tournament hey. the karate fighters semi-finals now the semi-finals was meant to be sid versus mr perfect however sid just shows up whenever he wants to so he's not here so jerry lawler is replacing him also since mr perfect got booted by helmsley an announcement which is which is which is met with baby crying sound effects dot wow because <laughs> that'll show kurt hennig a little cry baby sound effect fucking outfits mr perfect is being replaced in the tournament by the other mr p todd pettingill uh. There and then, they these two have a karate fighters match, which Jerry Lawler wins very quickly to set up a Jerry Lawler versus Sable final in the tournament. This was done literally to fill in a continuity gap left by the fact that Mr. Perfect has gone. Fuck you, Mr. Perfect. You're not winning the karate fighters tournament. I've just realized then, there's, I wonder if that footage exists anywhere, because that'd be amazing lost footage. Sid versus Mr. Perfect and the karate fighters semi-final and then Sable versus Sid, I assume, in the final. These would have all been shot in one day, so... I wonder if that is still in the WWE vault somewhere. Then they must be, like you say, it's, it's it was all done at the same time, you can tell. Mm. So it must be. 
Uh, and this was a, a very cheap and cheerful way to get on with it and get the tournament nearly done. Thank God it's nearly done. Who's your pick for the mm. winner, by the way? Uh, Sable. Yeah, I, I'm Sable. going with Sable. I, 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 oh, something's telling me that Vince McMahon fucking loves Sable. So <laughs> she's a blonde woman with tits. Um, <laughs> we get a recap of last week here. Austin attacking Brett and our boy Bulldog going. That's not how you use a chair. No, no. What you want to do is you want to sit on the flat bit. Yeah, <laughs> lovely for your bum. You, you keep putting the flat bit on his leg. You silly no, bastard. You only put chair on leg if you've hurt your ankle playing. <laughs> it's true, you do. It's yeah. true. We yeah. then go to Wednesday, where the WWF are in the UK. There's a little mm. cheeky London tour going on. Well, there's a little cheeky UK tour taking place. Um, I've got the card here. I wanted to very quickly double check something based on what we spoke about last week, mm. um, um, which I'll have to do very, have to do in a second. So now, according to Cage Match, uh, we get footage, by the way, of all sorts of stuff going on here. Um, we see Steve Austin hitting Sid with the WWF Championship in yeah. front of the referee. This brings out British Bulldog, who goes for Austin, uh, and we see uh, Brett saving Bulldog from a Sid powerbomb in amongst all of this. Uh, and it's just a bit of a cluster, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, Sid gets DQ'd despite Austin hitting him with the belt. And, oh, who's the ref there, Tom? <laughs> oh, would that be your mate? Yeah, it's Earl Hebner. Shite. Um, <laughs> but this this was, yeah, this was chaotic, even reading back my notes, there's a ream of notes for something which should be quite straightforward, really. Uh, this was um, not even the main event of the WWF's show uh, in the UK that they speak of. So this, according to Cage Match, this show took place in, 1990, in, in 20, on the 27th of, of November 1996 at the London Arena, hmm. which used to be called the London's Docklands Arena. Uh, it's been demolished now. It's in Millwall. So the <laughs> WWF, we're in the uh, we're in the highlights here. It's only a short. It's only a very short run they have uh, in the UK. They do London on the twenty seventh, and then they're in Birmingham the following night mm. uh, with a show that was headlined by Psycho Sid defending the world title against Farouk. Wow, were you in attendance for this? I was not in attendance for this, sadly, because as I said, this was during my my gap in my in my love for wrestling, so I would not have been there, yeah. which is a shame because I'd like to have got along to that. Um, but yeah, it's just those two nights there in the UK, very randomly. You thought they might have, you know, maybe had a little trip to France, so Bulldog could just yell "pint" at the locals, but he did "pint," <laughs> "swat," "pint," Egg and chips and a pint. Bacon, but, butter, no, butter, butter, but not butter, butter. <laughs> butter. <laughs> Don't know what else to say. Oh, butty, butty, <laughs> butty, bacon, butty. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. Brown sauce. <laughs> right, we're trashing the place. <laughs> uh, so the the show at the London Arena in Millwall featured Barry Harwitz beating T L Hopper. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, And nothing else. (laughs) Uh, 
Rocky Maivia beating Justin Hawk Bradshaw, second match of the night. Mm. Get him a run out in London. Uh, Crush, uh, Crush beats Bob Ollie. <laughs> Crutch. <laughs> Crutch beats Bob Ollie. Uh, Farouk beats the Stalker. <laughs> Jesus. The Executioner beats Aldo Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> right, it gets it's slightly better from here. Steve Austin beats Psycho Sid. Yeah. DQ. Uh, Bret Hart beats Vader. Okay. All right. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog beat the Godwins. Yeah. Davey Boy, Sammy Main. It's London, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and The Undertaker beats Mankind in a no-holds-barred main event. Hmm. No Sean, no Goldust. No, I'm just going to double-check what the Brum card was, if they may be in Birmingham the following night. So, but now, now the Birmingham, Birmingham just got a little bit of a, a reshuffle of the night before with the executioner beating Barry Horowitz in the opening match. Ooh. The Stalker beating Justin Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, Crush beating Bob Ollie. Yeah. Rocky Maivia beating T.L. Hopper. Yeah. Brett, Brett Hart beating Mankind. Oh. Didn't see those two knock about too much. No, not at all. Undertaker beats Vader. Mm. Owen Hart and the Bulldog beat the Godwins against Semi Main. Davey man. And then Psycho Sid versus Farouk and the Nation of Domination in the main event. So okay. that was your two night whistle stop tour of the UK. They'll do Lowell, Massachusetts for a house show, and then they'll go to Dubai. Wow. Mm. All I was thinking from that uh, Brum show there is, if it was house show rules and they just went, fuck it, let's have a bit of fun. Bradshaw versus Barry Windham, if they were both arsed, could have been a bit of fun. They could have had a laugh with that, couldn't they? Yeah. I doubt they they would have, but it could have been in here, in my brain. (laughs) Whenever a house show run happens and there's a street fight, uh, proposition mm. it's normally a good excuse to have fun when we did the impact tour and the i think it was the second night in coventry you had eddie edwards versus rhino in a street fight it was like ah oh, that's easy fun and they went through all the crowd and everything that was the one my mum and dad came to yeah and they went they bloody loved it they went bloody hell they were throwing beer near us i was like yeah it's good in it <laughs> were they gonna did you know they were gonna do that i said i don't i, I thought they might have done i didn't want to didn't want to tell you <laughs> Give away the magic. Yeah. Were they allowed to do that? That was the one. That was the one. I might tell the story on the podcast, on the main podcast, where um, I announced Eddie Eddie Edwards. And uh, Eddie Edwards then calls me over. And he's like, you announce me again. And you get it right this time. You say I'm from the best place in the world, from America. Like, all right. Yeah, okay. So we did all that. And uh, I announced him again. And on the way back, my mum was like, hey, what are the wrestlers told you off, didn't they? <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't announce them properly. Like, you should, you should, <laughs> just like, like, did you, you check how you're going to announce them before you start? No, no, I, it's, it's a bit, it's <laughs> like, mum just thought I just got bollocked for doing it wrong. You're always just like, that Eddie Edwards, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. <laughs> my, I did look over and my dad just did like the fisty cuffs, like, should we have a word? <laughs> that's when he wasn't booing me by the way <laughs> your, your dad's slowly pulling a claw hammer out of his jacket pocket <laughs> you bet my dad yeah <laughs> oh i love my dad booing me at Com- that's my favorite moment of the impact so i was just standing in the ring and just hearing everyone's cheering having a good time you can just hear off to the side boo get off <laughs> like cheers dad <laughs> rubbish <laughs> Just thank God Scott Demore wasn't near you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to hire you, but uh, 
Some guy thought you were rubbish. <laughs> anyway, we see videos uh, from the London show of Austin, Bulldog, Brett and Sid all filmed on like an old school VHS camera. It's delightful. Mm. Uh, Austin like is he wants he's slagging off Bulldog and Brett. Bulldog is a great. He's just always great. Bulldog in the camera's going so cold. I'm going to have you. And Owen's going. All right, Bulldog, you've got to forget about Austin. You've got to forget about Austin. We've got to focus on the tag titles that are in your house. Yeah, Austin, I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah, good that one. I'll see you later, Stoke. I mean, <laughs> swat. Like Bulldog drank it in. Yeah, yeah, Austin, I'm going to get you. <laughs> He's great. He just, he doesn't even know how yeah. brilliant he is. <laughs> It was, it was like years ago, my mate was going, he, I can't remember if he was going on a date or if he was talking to someone on Tinder and he came to me and another one of our mates and said, oh, she's she's asked me what I do, but my job's quite boring. What do I say? He says, just say you work, because he works in IT. He's like, just say you work in IT, move on. Say, ah, it's one of them, pays the bills. Next time we saw him, oh, so how did it go? He's like, oh, it's just... Didn't seem too interested. He's like, oh, did you say you worked in IT? He's like, well, not exactly. I said, I worked in integrated network solutions. And what that is, it was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh. He did what we said and then just disregarded it and told Steve Austin he'll see him later. Like, <laughs> so she got bored and wandered off. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and he was there just like, oh, I wish I was at my computer. having fun. <laughs> Has he found love since? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. That's okay oh, yeah. then. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Sid finds all this very funny. Um, Bret Hart says, right, I owed you a favor, Bulldog. That's it. Favor done. I saved you getting powerbombed. Uh, and Sid says he's the master of the rule of the world. Um, it's, it's Sid, who looked like he was in heaven, by the way. He, he just... did look like he was in heaven. <laughs> he was just in a white room whispering. It was amazing. <laughs> Imagine if he came down to get you after you died. Oh, God. Uh, a Chibaro. <laughs> Back. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> your, your, your body just like contorted through the car accident you were just in. And here's Sid descending from the heavens with wings. Come on! It's time to go! <laughs> Sid? <laughs> what are you doing here? This is shite. I want to be alive again. Tough. <laughs> Power bombs you up to heaven somehow. <laughs> Got one for you, God! <laughs> <laughs> Got, got, got one for you, Snake Lord. Snake Lord, you'll find out. <laughs> oh. Uh. By the way, the Amish were right. <laughs> Despite Sid being in heaven and this being a bit of a mess, I quite liked this because it goes back to what we said before about the WWF at this time feeling like a living, breathing organism. Yeah. Uh, and that it's not just happens while the cameras are broadcasting. And this set up quite a lot moving forward. So I thought this was really effective. And it's those things that make it make you feel like house shows are important. Yeah, exactly. Go to a house show and you'll see all kinds of shit. Yeah. Definitely I, worth doing. I'm not keen on title switches at house shows, which they don't do as much now, but they used to do a lot in the 80s and early 90s. They'd be like, oh, there's new tag champions. Yeah. They missed it because you went in Birmingham, Alabama. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. But like stuff like this where they can set up things going forward. Yeah. Get to a house show. You might see you might see Sid take someone to the fiery pits of Hades. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the 
the ones that annoy me, and they used to do them a lot in the 80s, when, like, you'd have a tag title reign exists exclusively at a house show. Yeah. Like, like uh... Well, annoys me, because I can't keep track of the, the reigns then. Like, a man on a mission accidentally shoot winning the tag titles from the Quebecers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I've forgotten title reign. Anyway, it's main event o'clock. This week's main event, it's Mark Marrow and Jake Roberts versus Billy Gunn and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, it's mm. DX. Yes, dicks. It's uh, dicks. <laughs> Break it down. I, I, I found it intriguing that Jake Roberts came out to Mark Marrow's music rather than his own music because he's one of the old timers who still gets a pop. So It was a weird decision and he just looked like, so, like a lonely old uncle that was just hanging around. My uncle's been on hard times recently. He said he could come hang out with us. Come on, Uncle Jake. <laughs> Unless it was a time thing, but even then you could have still played his bloody music. Yeah, maybe. So it would have been better. We didn't get it. So Mark Merrow and Jake come out together with Sable. Um, picture in picture with Jesse James. Oh, it's DX! Oh! Uh, Jesse James, annoyed about getting branded earlier, wants a handicap match against Bradshaw and Uncle Zeppakaya next week. Oh, God. I mean, he handily had JBL beat this week before Zeppakaya came in, so I fancy his chances, Tom. And you love that match so much, you get to watch it again. Hooray. Who <laughs> fucking ray. I'll crack open a bottle of cyanide. Uh, the <laughs> crowd really gets into this uh, when Mero tries to get a piece of Helmsley. And they do, and he does for a bit, but then Helmsley tags the Billy Gun to avoid a proper shoe-in. Uh, Jake is the one that gets uh, the, the, the work... That gets worked over by the bad guys for a long old time. Uh, and that is until he just pops a little cheeky DDT out of nowhere, which I thought hey. was cool. Lovely little spot. Mera gets the hot tag and there's a malfunction when we see Hunter knock Billy off the ropes, not once, but twice. Mm. This leads to Billy and Hunter having a bit of a, a bit of this, a bit of verbal. And Billy goes, ah, sod this, I'm off. Billy Gunn just leaves. He leaves Hunter Hearst Helmsley to deal with it all himself. He gets double teamed by Jake Amaro. Amaro finishes off the Intercontinental Champion with the wild thing. Mark Amaro mm. has just pinned the Intercontinental Champion. And then Hunter gets the snake draped over him for good behavior to close out Raw. What a lovely treat for Hunter. What a lovely treat for him. What did you think to the main event? It was an odd one because I felt the first half was a bit boring and the crowd didn't really care. But the second half really picked up, had a good ending, like you said, malfunction in the junks, and it felt kind of like either a house show match or like a 1990 lower card pay-per-view match that no one's really bothered about, but it was fine. Did a job. Yourself? Yeah, I thought it served, it served the purpose to give us a, a tease from Mark Henry, Hunter Hearst Helms, the IC title match, which uh, Hunter's been like, this has been a long time coming. I feel like it's slightly over, the, it's a it's a pudding that's looking over-egged at this point. Oh, so we God. need to really get to a match between those two now and move on to other things. Um, I mean, you know, we have been... Mr. Perfect stuff's come and gone and it just sort of fizzled for a bit and now it's been lit up again. This started just after WrestleMania, so fuck me. Yeah. yeah. It is an over-egged pudding. Mm. Uh, and that is uh, Raw. One week to go, one more week after this, and then it's in your house. It's time. Uh, it's an interesting because this week in the boring real world, uh, Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics put out uh, a sheet that uh, showed you TV ratings and their just sort of general decline over years. And the Raw ratings are in there in like a chart that covers from 1993 to present day. 
And believe it or not, we're currently in the lowest dipped, the lowest dips of Monday Night Raw. Mm, which is when weird. you consider the shite that we've watched. Yeah, it feels like it's on an upward swing creatively, at least, but it's just not quite caught fire. It seems. Mm, this is, I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks, these rate these episodes are actually going to be quite some of the lowest rated ever. Wow, uh, which is amazing when you think of all the good things that are happening. But again, we only know. They're good things based on the fact that we have lived and seen them become good things. I, I know you have, but I haven't. This is all brand new to me. Uh, oh, I sorry, just, I forgot. You're I, a man of 1996. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm a big fan of uh, gangster rap and uh, Euro 96. They're the things that happened in 1996. <laughs> there are just those things and no other things. Mm, yep like it and 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 with that we draw a line under the classic raw review for 2023 wonderful that's just done for the year another lovely year is that your first full year no second full year second full full, any regrets uh regrets (laughs) i've had a few few. (laughs) i've had a poo (laughs) that's childish but it's to be expected from this podcast Yes, it certainly is. We're reaching an interesting period of time. Go on. We are, because we're a while away yet, despite what people think. Yeah. Attitude Era is somewhere on the horizon. We're not there now. Yeah. We're not there now! But we will... Uh, but hey, when we come back in 2024, <laughs> we'll throw ourselves into the year ahead. And oh, there is some very fun things happening in the year ahead for 1997 in the WWF. Uh, but this time next week, it's the Cultaholic Classic Christmas Special. Whoa. Oh, holy fuck. Uh, that's happening next week. Uh, anything you want to plug uh, over the, the festive season? No. <laughs> the big project that I was working off on uh, was officially finished this week. Uh, it had a, a once-over by Justin Henry, sent it back. He was like, primo. Um, so that will be getting recorded and done soon, but that will be seeing the light of day for months. Uh, so I'm just waiting to finish this week and be off now, really. <laughs> That's about Aww. it. You need, so by the time you're hearing this, Jack Atkins has already begun his Christmas holiday. So uh, on behalf of all of us, sir, thank you for a, another wonderful year of talking bollocks about Raw from 1996. It's been a joy. Well, thank you for guiding me in the bollock chats um, <laughs> and uh, ripping me on other parts of the pod- podcast universe and for, for being a, a valued friend, Thomas. <laughs> oh, you. Uh, we are like the golden girls. We are. And thank you for being a friend. Until we're back together in the new year, he's at Jackie Orlando, at Brad Atkins on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together we're at Goldholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Happy Easter. Easter. Thank you for being a friend.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 